All right, we're recording. It's been a little bit, but we're back on the HDL podcast, and uh, we're just going to get straight to it. We have the two commissioners, the two Daves, the two pastors. We have a lot in common, but there is one thing that we don't have in common, uh, at least one thing that we don't have in common. The, as the, many of the guys in the league know, I got a vasectomy for Christmas, uh, and you haven't, but you are very vocal about not wanting to have any more kids, but you haven't done the deed yet. So what, when's it happening? Can we, ne- we fell through with having the, we were going to have like a, a tailgate for mine, but I think it was too close to Christmas. So maybe we could do that for yours, but when, so when's it happening? So down. Um, I have been ready for a couple of years to get the snip. Um, but you know, as uh, as one part of a couple, I need full agreement uh, from the other end. But you know, I honestly, I, I thought it was going to be this fall, but um, I can't do it if we're doing this half in school, half out of school thing. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna save it up for a, a week where I can be, you know, home recovering without having to right, argue with kids. Kids are, kids are away. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. a good idea. We had. Um, I think Leah's parents did come and like help her with the kids, but yeah, I was, I was quarantined. I was, I'm the hipster quarantiner. I was doing yeah. it in December before everybody else, but. Well, uh, I'm just hoping my stalling doesn't come and bite me in the butt later. It might, it might. Uh, nothing wrong with three girls though. It, True. I will say it's for the first, it, it takes some getting used to some like completely worry-free sex like there will be no kids like that it's it's a freeing feeling but it takes some some getting used to for sure sure um so obviously we're the commissioners we are the russian agents um that collude together to make our teams better than everyone else's um and whether our, the collusion part of that is true or not. Our teams are pretty good, so uh, everyone needs to step up their games. But as commissioners, um, there are some highs and lows that I think we both have experienced uh, in, in doing this. So what would you say are some of your highs and lows as commissioner of the Hindvale Dynasty League? Well, I, I mean, first I have to address how dirty it sounds when you say that. And I know you're joking. But I want to clarify for the listeners out there that you're joking because we really don't collude. Um, I, I hope everyone knows I don't like you enough to collude with you. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, everybody should know that by now, that you, you truly do root against me. So there really yes. is, you know, um, which, hey, it's mutual. Um, I <laughs> want you to, to win any games uh, at all either. So, but anyway, uh, so, uh, so highs and lows. Um, I mean, do you want to start with highs? Do you want to start with lows? Where do you want to go? Let's with that? start low so that we can move on to the next thing on a high note. But well, let's just dive into the the lows okay. right now. Well, I I had two, and okay. um, I'll tell you my first one, which is uh, it was probably the lowest of lows uh, for us was um, our decision to uh, release Cleve. Mm. Um, you know, Cleve's a friend. And, you know, you and I have talked extensively about this uh, a lot over the past year of how we both regret how we handled it because we, we handled it like a business rather than, 
uh, the friendship uh, that that we have developed, and it very well uh, hindered a lot of, you know, the relationships that he had with guys in our league, and um, you know, and so I still feel a heavy burden uh, yeah. on, on that. And so, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm sure I know how you feel, but it kind of sucks. No, yeah, that was I. I think I would agree that that was the the lowest low that that we've had. Um, because I think the friendships were even deeper, like before this league with uh, Nick Martino and uh, John Mealy, like I, I knew those guys. Um, and I think Brett like kind of knew them and we had known Nick because of the, the baseball league and stuff, but um, it was all centered around fantasy sports for the most part. Whereas mm-hmm. Cleve had some um, w- with you and Galante uh, kind of before all this. And then I've known Cleve for a while too. And then our kids went to preschool together. Um, and I do think like if we had like stopped to take a breath <laughs> at any point in the road, I, I don't know if he would still be in the league, but things would have gone differently because Agreed. I do very much think like we took ourselves a little too seriously in all of that. Um, so, and that's why I said at the draft after that, like, I'm not kicking anybody out before I talk to them about the fact that I'm thinking about kicking them out. <laughs> like, because really with all of them, I think Martino was like the most gracious with it. He was just like, yeah, like, all right, if you have somebody else, like, I get it. I, he wasn't like thrilled about it, but like, he was okay with it. But yeah, uh, yeah, kicking people out, I know, I, I feel like somehow we pile on you a lot for a lot of stuff, but that one has fallen on my shoulders. Like I'm the guy who kicks people out of the leagues. Uh, at least is like the perception whenever we talk about it, like Dave's going to kick or Hallahan's going to kick you out. Um, but it is my, my least favorite thing about this. Like, by well, far. yeah, I mean, and if we're being honest, why would we want to, to do that or even enjoy doing that? You right. know, but I think I think you're right. You know the the connections we have with some guys are definitely deeper. Like I've known Cleve for uh, close to 20 years now. Yeah. You know, and you know I know Galante's known him pretty much his whole life. But yeah, um, yeah. Some of the guys early on, like you know Mealy Martino, I you know I'm never going to have a conversation with those guys again unless I bump into them randomly somewhere. Yeah. And you know I I think they're both nice guys. It's just they weren't active. You know, right, um, right. So, so outside of uh, kicking guys out of the league, uh, what are some other moments where you've been like, I would do anything other than commission this league? Uh, the uh, the trade deadline fallout. Um, so the Troy I, one? Yeah, the yeah the yeah. Um, Troy and Kyle. Uh, yes, I remember. I remember when that all went down because I was half on Slack. Um, I was in the middle of a, yeah, a meeting. Staff meeting, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was our it was actually our church conference meeting, and so I was just walking in, and I saw somebody post something about when's the deadline, and I put I'm like it's 8 p.m. This is the fourth time I've answered this question this week, and and then um, I'm in the meeting and I get a message from you, and uh, so after the meeting I'm and you're like, hey, so there was uh, apparently a a trade that was made, but 
It was after eight o'clock, and I'm like, let me guess, one of them was Calhoun. <laughs> and we both started laughing, you know, because you're like, it, it was. And I said, well, after eight p.m. is after eight p.m. It doesn't matter, you know. And I mean, we were we were on the phone for probably two and a half hours that night, uh, just talking through all this. And I remember the next day, like, you know, we were trying to do the right thing, even though we both agreed that after the deadline was after the deadline, we were trying to do the right thing in the midst of the league and just the crap hit the fan Friday morning. And I remember my kids went uh, off to school and I, w- I had tickets to go see Creed 2. Uh, <laughs> okay. And not the I, like, I, I turned off my phone and I never yeah. turn off my phone. And I was like, I'm not looking at Slack uh, for the rest of the day. I'm just staying off of it. And I, I struggled to watch the movie because mm. I just, I felt all this pressure of there's all this, you know, there, there were things that were said I took personally yeah. and things I felt like were thrown at me and, and questioning my character and things and from multiple people, not any one individual. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, this is a fantasy football league. You know, like why, why am I feeling like this? And I was like, I don't care. I, I, I'll quit being a commissioner. I just want to play. Somebody else can deal with this BS. Yeah. Yeah. I think that obviously sucked. And it was the perfect storm that you were going into a meeting. Because, honestly, I should have just had the balls to say, it's 8 o'clock. Because like, I, did, I did see um, the ambiguity in the rules, that the first thing that came up was not the 8 o'clock deadline. It said before kickoff or whatever. So, like, I get it. But um, we had said 8 o'clock multiple times and blah, blah, blah. And um, I guess, given my nature, I just – like I needed you to be, even if you weren't the one who said it, like I needed you to be there to like, give me the confidence to like, yeah, say, no, this is it. So then you were in a meeting for like an hour. Then you and I deliberated for like another two hours, which all just made it seem, I'm sure to everyone else much worse that we took like three hours to even respond to this thing that happened 15 minutes after the deadline. Like why did yeah. we, so like it all that all just made it worse and well and and the thing that really um, bugged me the most was and I don't remember when it was whether it was later that night or early the, the next morning but Calhoun sent me a screenshot but he had crossed out the names of the players but just you know it said look you know we were we were in conversations or whatever and there was one comment that was clearly written by um, by both of them noting that they knew they were past the deadline but let's still try to work something out. And I'm like, you guys are taking advantage. You're trying to find a loophole for your benefit, you know, when you know that the rule is 8 p.m. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I think uh, those two, well, especially the Cleve kicking out, but kicking out anybody, that trade, um, this is less as a commissioner, but the initial, the very first, trade fallout uh my trade with head the rogers bell trade like Mm -hmm. that that hit different because i was involved in the trade (laughs) and i was like obviously i did the trade like i convinced head i talked head into it for i spent a lot of time like talking to him about it so i i knew or i knew slash thought i was getting the better end of the deal but i did not expect the blowback that we got. Um, and I think any of those times where like, like 
character is brought into question or even just like the integrity of the league like is this even worth playing anymore because apparently i was going to win like three more three championships in a row uh but uh that was like another low point where it's like oh man like what are we doing why am i which is which is interesting because i was surprised that that had as much blowback as it did like in the moment i looked at it and i'm like yeah this trade's a little lopsided like you know, I, I thought that you got more value out of the trade than Head did. In hindsight, it, it actually turned out to be a pretty fair trade, you know. Yeah. But, but I didn't think it was blow up the league worthy that it was, that it was heading, you know. Yeah. Um, my first thought was, come on, Head. Like, you know, I didn't know you were shopping those guys. I would have been in <laughs> on the conversation. You know, that was really my first thought. Um, I mean, really, there were a couple other trades that should have had way more uh, of, uh, you know, uh, like heads Jamal Charles trade. Oh, that, uh, hey, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that trade later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, that was bad. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, how about some positives? I think we would all, uh, hopefully everyone that's still in the league is still in the league. So, um, I'm, I think we all think this is a fun league. What, what are some of the highlights, um, of, being a commissioner, but even just being a part of, of this league for you? Well, I, I, I think it's been, for me, the relationships mm. uh, with the guys. And so I, I quick jotted down a list of all the things uh, over the years that have been things that have existed outside of the league, you know, and outside yes. of Slack. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, things that came to my mind were, um, uh, you know, we took a couple trips to Ashton's Cigar Bar. Uh, so I, I think there was one time, where um, uh, Brett and Calhoun and I went. And uh, another time uh, for Billy's 21st, uh, me and Calhoun took him out to dinner and then we went there and, and had a cigar and, and a couple drinks. And, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I went for the twins' birthday party at Brett's house. You know, that was pretty cool. I, yeah. I did a tough mutter with um, a bunch of the guys. And um, we had that Christmas party and, and Pollyanna at Chris's house. And, um, I mean, it just last month, uh, I went over to head's house and helped them cut down a bush and we, we just stood out back having a beer, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, um, the NFL draft, there was probably like six or seven, uh, <clears throat> people in our league that ended up bumping into each other, uh, at the, at the draft hanging out, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, I think another one that comes to mind is, uh, Calhoun's, uh, baby shower. Were you there for that when we went to the jug? Oh, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, the yeah. jug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, th- I forget what was going on, but, like, him and Julia, because we just told him we were going to get jug wings or whatever. Yes. And we had, like, we had – that's when we got the HDL pacifiers. Um, yep. That was and, the, first, the first appearance of them. Yeah, yeah. And a bunch of the guys uh, chipped in. We got, I don't even remember what we got, but we got them some other gift. Um, and uh, – so, but he just thought he was getting wings and he like bailed last minute. Cause like him and Julia, I, I guess Julia was not like feeling great. Being yeah. He was, and, he was being a good husband. He yeah. recognized that by him going out, it was not a good idea. And so he made the, the strong yeah. choice of saying, and then we had, a, we just home. had to ruin the surprise for him. We had to be like, yeah. dude, this is a, this is a baby shower. <laughs> for yeah. um, and, and then he came out, but um, that was cool. And the Christmas party stands out too. Um, I think that was cool that we had um, like significant others there as well. And um, a lot of the things that we have done or do 
or the time that we spend just on Slack or whatever uh, Leah makes fun of me for. But when she came to that, um, she got to see it with her own eyes, like the relationships mm-hmm. that have formed and like it, she still makes fun of me for it, but it did like, it changed a little bit that she was able to see that. And uh, even Mike uh, had me for the Pollyanna um, A-bomb did. And like, he got me beer, which was awesome. But he also got us like this blanket that had uh, mine and Leah and our daughter's names like uh, stitched into it. And like the super like personal gift that was like super sweet. And we're just like bros in a football league. Like, yeah. <laughs> but like that, so that was cool. And that I think, change the image of what this is um for leah as well uh, yeah because in reality that's what it that's what it is this is this is this has evolved into more than just the fantasy football league and yeah. i think you know there were a couple factors leading into that is uh the initial plan of this league developed out of our sports email group right right and and so we drew guys from an existing fantasy baseball league and and so you know and we we found other guys that we had relationships with and and the group as a whole just tended to mesh and yeah. then in uh or integration of slack was huge <laughs> yes um, it was, for, for for taking sure. those connections to the next level yeah um so we we've worked together a lot as commissioners um, what do you think that, um, well, I'll, I guess I'll talk about you, but what do you, like, do we work well together? I think we do. You can, uh, say, and yeah, what, mean, what do we each bring to the table? Yeah, I was going to say, I think we work well together, uh, but I mean, I, I, I want to turn the question to you first is, yeah. you know, why do you think we work well together? And I think you started to hint that we bring things to the table, but yeah. And I, I, I think. I think we a lot of our personalities or strengths do overlap, but I think where one of us is weak, the other is strong, and so we complement each other well in that way. Um, I've kind of amongst the two of us, but also I think with some guys in the leagues, like I've garnered the the I'm the bad news commish because I think um, I I offer a little bit more. Uh, tact or grace in delivering bad news than you do you um you are a details guy which is awesome and like i think we see it in the trade sheet we see it at the draft we see it in the rules and the summit like we see it in all of like the administrative type work but it comes through in our conversations like when we talk about things before we go to the league with them um I'm like ready to just like schmooze everybody into like being okay with it. And you're like, yeah, but what about this? What about this? What about, and like making sure we actually have thought through it. Um, and, but I think when you, because you're so detail oriented, when you, if you were to be the one who delivered bad news, it would be like, here are the facts, deal with them. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so I think having me to kind of balance that out on the other side is good. Um, and part of that, and I know you've said this to me a few times, is I almost live within the realm of the facts and the rules. And so I'm, I'm, mm. I'm so aware of what they are that I get frustrated when people don't know the simple little dumb stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. And yeah. honestly, that was because uh, I know uh, you and Scott bump heads sometimes too. But he actually is the one who pointed it out to me because he was our, uh, for a few years there, he was our baseball league commissioner, even though he had no stake in the game. And so he's like, I get Falcone's frustration because I have written rules out for <laughs> leagues before. And when people, like, you spend so much time, you and him, like, you, whoever the commissioner is, spend so much time in the rules, like actually typing them out. And they're like cemented in your brain that when people have questions, it's like, are you like, are you serious right now? <laughs> like the, just the other day when we had like two, I think two people in a row were like, when do, when do we cut down our, our teams again? And I like, I could feel through the slack, like <laughs> your blood, like pressure starting to rise a little bit. Um, and then, of course, Sarlo had to come and poke the bear and ask for a third time. Uh, yeah, but usually when the third time is the funny time because yes, yes. then I'm laughing at that point because, yes. you know, it's the uh, idiot who asked the second time. Then I'm like, come on, really? Yeah. Like, this is, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, um, it, was, it was Scott who, like, pointed – he's like – it might have even been around the – I think it was. Troy trade yeah. because cause I wasn't that familiar with – as familiar as you with the rules. And so when I, the first thing I found was before kickoff and like in your brain, you know, and therefore everyone should know it's eight o'clock. But for me, it's, I don't know this week on a Thursday, <laughs> let me check the rules. Here's the first thing that I find. Like, so Scott's like, no, like Dave should be pissed. And I would be pissed too, because <laughs> like he's, you're just so it, you like you said, you live and you breathe the rules. Yeah. You're the one who's handling all of that administrative stuff. So when it slips other people's brains, it that's foreign to you because it's in there. Well, I remember uh, when all that went down. I sent Scott a message separately, and I said, "You know, I don't know if I've ever said this, but I really appreciate all you did as commissioner <laughs> of the baseball league." Ha ha ha! You know, but um, you know, and so he and I had gone back and forth, and I know he and I butt heads a lot, but I. I really love him. I've known him for a long yeah, time. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of the reasons why we butt heads is because we're very similar, you know? Yeah. And, um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, he's a friend, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I just remember, uh, I, uh, uh, I, I get it. <laughs> like I finally get, you know, and I know that I was a pain in the neck and put you through the ringer on purpose. Yeah. You know, but I'm sorry. You know? Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I, I think you and I, uh, like you had said, we, we overlap uh, enough, but like you bring that big picture, you know, uh, vision type stuff, which, which is good because uh, when I'm too focused on the details, sometimes it's easy for me to miss that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the reason that you kind of get to be the bad news, uh, bear, um, is, uh, part of it, I think is you, you have more of a calming presence, mm. um, yeah. which, uh, I think everybody knows that. So to take bad news from you is kind of like a, all right, well, we can't really be mad at, at Hallahan, you know, cause he's, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's nice, he's calm. And, uh, but you're usually pretty good at, you know, gauging the temperature of the league and, and knowing, um, I think before most other people like, Hey, this is, this is leading to an issue. We need to, we need to cut this off before it gets worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think even, I think, uh, it was Brett when we were doing like, uh, 
wrestling wrestler comparisons and he gave me Shawn michaels because he's like even when you're a bad guy people like you <laughs> yeah uh, yeah but um and i think uh, you know i you know, and we we both know that we're not the only commissioners here. You know, Mike is our uh, newly elected third commissioner, and and I, I think Mike, uh, uh, you know, is still recognizing he's still trying to get his feet wet and figuring out where where he fits in the midst of the three of us. Uh, and yeah, because you and I have worked together for I don't know six years or so between this league and another mm-hmm. league, and and I think that you know we just kind of we're at the point now where we work almost seamlessly. And we know what the other person is doing and not doing. And we're able to, you know, be like, hey, you know, we got this coming up. Let's talk about it for two minutes. And that's enough for us to just go and do our thing, um, which can be a problem, you know, because there's a third guy now. And, right, right. You know, just assuming that he knows what's going on. Well, um, and I think even I think having the third guy, having any third guy, but having Mike, uh, it is it is a. Uh, a benefit because of what you just said. You and I are so comfortable working together. I think even for both of us, it can be, well, you and I agree, and so we'll just move forward. Whereas we can dismiss the other 10 guys <laughs> in the league, um, which I don't think we, we have done, certainly not intentionally and doesn't happen often, but I think even just having Mike there as a, a third voice mm-hmm. that's like, hey, what about this? Um, yeah, is good. And I, you said I'm a calming presence, but um, there were no league issues. We all know we had some we had some fun during quarantine uh, with each other. But uh, as far as the league's concerned, nothing happened this year with Mike as commissioner. So Mike apparently he fixed all our league's problems. There you we're go. One good. full year, no issues. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's um, nice. so. With our, go, were you going to say something about us as commissioners? No, go ahead. Okay, um, I'm just going to move on to um, we. A lot of people in our league have dubbed themselves idea guys, um, and so we've had a lot of ideas. And we're twelve guys. Um, many of well, us strong. Twenty now, right? Well, yeah, twenty total. Twelve teams. Twenty. Yeah. Twenty guys. Um, many of us strongly opinionated. Um, and think our ideas are the best ones and are surprised when people disagree. So let's talk some best and worst uh, HDL ideas. What are the best ideas in the HDL that didn't come to fruition? So some things that we've talked about, give me one, some things that we've talked about that you're like, that been awesome, but it never happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the best idea and... Uh, you know, I, I think we'll both agree on this one is the Blazers. Mm. You yes. know, I mean, the, the, I, I think there were like a light blue mm-hmm. um, with, you know, the HDL uh, emblem on the, uh, on the lapel and, uh, or the, the breast, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know if you remember this, but there was, an intention, there was intentionality done during the sales pitch that had me right away is when they uh, when they revealed it they had my head yes, yes. On, you know so I'm like how can i not love sarlo it? presented them i was actually thinking cuz i remember the picture of you wearing one of these blazers and i thought you made the pitch but sarlo just was playing to his audience and yes <laughs> yes it was yeah. very smart of him it was it was no that was a great idea and i mean it would have been 
a really cool thing to have. Um, but I am glad that we went with the mug instead. Absolutely. Um, a little bit more practical than a blazer that we would wear, what, twice a year when we were together? And probably that's it. Yeah. And who knows that, you know, the amount of weight we gain and lose in this league <laughs> if they continue to fit over the years. Yeah, that's true. What would you say is one uh, of the best ideas in the HDL that never came to fruition? Well, as as the guy who's kind of been leading the charge on the HDL podcast, I got to say uh, it's the podcast network that has <laughs> – I'm doing my part, but one of our main idea guys, Head, has done nothing. As far as I know, he's still working from Geico. He's sitting at a desk with two other people, not – all within a six feet radius and he's going to catch the coronavirus before we have a podcast network. So <laughs> I'm a little bit disappointed in that. Uh, I'm making things happen and head just has ideas. So, well, uh, he, he has had so many ideas over the years that great ideas like the TV show that he came up with uh, JC and me. Um, who came up with that? I'm Are you giving him the credit. my balls right now? That no, I thought show. it was him. <laughs> no, that's my show. Okay, well, you need to get on that because that was a great idea. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, now I'm telling on myself. I'm, the, I'm also just an ideas guy. Apparently. <laughs> um, but, and it, now I could be wrong on this too, but wasn't uh, Aviary Brewery uh, his idea too? That was his idea. Apparently him and John Galante, based on a screenshot that I received recently, <laughs> are still talking about it. I, it's a private channel, and I left, so I can't get back in unless yeah. I'm invited. So I, I left too, uh, but so it's I'm really curious funny to that see. It still exists. It might, I, maybe coronavirus shut it all down. They were like on the brink, and then this all happened. Um, we have another ideas guy in the league, Brett, who uh, I I think there's enough momentum that the HDL invitation is going to happen with or without him, um, because yes. there's enough people interested. Uh, but there, like, I gotta say, he's probably even money or an underdog to be the one who plans it. Uh, like to plans the golf tournament? Yeah. Oh, it, 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 he, Scott, and I are talking offline, and um, so I'm the one calling around to golf courses. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, it, I I would have been right to not bet on him to to be the one. Um, yeah. And then we had the infamous soup and dip party, which uh, soup and dip is now a verb that when you, <laughs> when you have an idea that doesn't come to fruition, you soup and dipped it. So, yeah. Uh, we, well, and we then got, there was the, uh, the ski weekend too. Wasn't that his yes, idea? I, th I believe so. Yeah. We still haven't done that. Um, yeah. Pool party at his grandmom's. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's going to happen. That's when he's going to jump out of the pool. Uh, <laughs> I do got to say this, this probably more than anything else has put pressure on me to actually get a wiffle ball game going because I've talked about talking to my neighbor about it and I haven't talked to my neighbor about it, but now, now I'm going to do it. My, my HVAC is getting repaired this week. When I go home, I'm, first time I see my neighbor, I'm going to talk to Carl about it. Um, so those are some good ideas that never happened. What are some bad ideas that did happen? Um, I remember, uh, <laughs> um, I remember the time you didn't show up for the, uh, uh, free agent <laughs> auction draft because you had friends come over for a bonfire out back. Yes. And so yeah. I was stuck running that on Slack by myself. And I just remember like half the league showed up and most of the guys weren't really interested in doing anything, but we did two years of that. And it was 
the first year was okay. Second year was a nightmare. Um, but that was, that was one of those things that it was a great idea on paper, but yeah, it really, anyway, I'm glad that that's gone. Uh, and we yeah. don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, that was, that was a bad idea. Um, how about talking about politics in Slack? That's worked out really well for us. Uh, yeah. Next. Now, we, <laughs> we, we, we don't have to dig into that anymore. Yeah. Um, but I, so the sixth round of the rookie draft, like one, it was seven, I think. Um, oh, yeah. First year was seven. First year was seven. Then we, we went down to six. And I love that Calhoun was like, we should have 10. Like, we should just – the first year, he was, like, all – just, like, as many as we want. And then, like, by the fourth round, the first year, he's like, okay, seven was too many. Uh, yeah. We went down to six. And then, then the second year or third, whatever, like, the first year of six, we were like, that was too long. But then we added the IDP. And so we were like, let's keep it at six. And I'm like, yeah, we should keep it at six. I don't know how everybody else feels, but by the fifth round, I'm like, we don't need to still be here. Yeah. Doing this. Yeah. It was, it, the sixth round is usually pretty rough. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I'm curious to see how many guys actually make our rosters from the sixth round. I can tell you that my sixth round pick will probably make my roster this year. So hmm. whatever that's worth is a defensive play. That's um, interesting. Uh, I also only had three picks, so that, that might be part of it. Um, let's talk about trading. Uh, Troy and I talked about trading um, when he was on the podcast, and Scott yelled at me because I talked about how I like running backs more than wide receivers now. But um, when it comes to trading, like, do you have a, a general strategy that you go into to trading with? Um, I do. Uh, I. But it's not the same strategy for every person. Okay. So, so this, is, this, is my, this is what I've learned over the years and my advice to everybody in our league. Not that I'm a great trader. I, you know, I win trades. I lose trades in the proverbial win and lose, which I hate. Let me say, that's my greatest pet peeve when people talk about winning and losing trades because I don't think that anybody wins or loses trades. You either gain value or you lose value. Right. And, and so there's lots of trades where I've gained value. There's lots of trades where I've lost value. And, you know, sometimes you're losing value, but you're improving your starting roster because you're in win now mode. You know, there's, there's so many different yeah. phases in which, you know, we're in, but, you know, I think the, uh, the, the thing that is most important is know your trade partner. Um, so for instance, you know, I'm not going to go into details about everybody in our league, but, uh, when we first started this league, I actually uh, I, I kept a document where I would jot notes down about each of the guys and about the trades they made and what their trends were and and uh, what they tended to trade for. Did they trade for picks or did they trade away picks? Um, you know, did they t- tend to you know have lopsided trades in terms of quantity? Uh, you know, what were what what did they tend to for guys or high upside players or more proven guys? You know, so so I wanted to know who uh, my trade partners were because then I found it was easier to trade with them, um, or it was easier to trade with them knowing uh, how they responded. So, for instance, like I knew that any trade Cleve offered me um, was 
a garbage trade mm-hmm. right off the bat. But in the same sense, I knew that um, in order for him to respond well to an offer that I gave him, it had to be a, a, a pretty fair offer in value on both sides, so, which was unique because he'd offer a very lopsided valued trade, <laughs> right. but would only respond you know, positively if it was a fair value trade. And then you can have more conversations to hammer out some details or you know, it's just that, yeah, I'm not really interested. I don't want to move that guy, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, Martino was another one. Um, Martino, the key with Martino uh, is you had to you had to badger him, and you had to send him a message every three to seven days, because he was uh, if he had to be in the mood to make a trade in order to make a trade. Um, so he could literally for seven weeks be ah uh, no I have no desire to move that guy, but then on week eight be like. All right. Uh, yeah, if you throw in a throw in a third, I'll I'll do that. I'm like, well, I offered you seven better trade offers the last seven <laughs> weeks, but now you're taking it. You know, yeah. um, but you, you just had to catch him on the right time. You know, um, the other thing is, uh, I don't think that uh, having the same tactic for everybody works. Uh, so, like, I approach everybody in our league differently with trades, uh, but there are people that still have the same tactic of trading with me every time. Um, you know, I, I know we make fun of Troy, so I'll throw him completely under the bus, but <laughs> you know, we always make fun of Troy cause he does the, uh, oh, my player sucks or yes. your player sucks. Let me just take him off your hand. Here's now why he doesn't want funny. the guy that I want. Yeah. Now he does it to be funny, you know, and right. you know, um, but you know, there was a point where he did it every time. I'm like, dude, that, that only makes it worse. Like I, I don't want to trade you <laughs> my player because you know uh, I said now I'm gonna yeah you know, I'm gonna tack one more pick. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I think that you need to have a different approach with uh, with each person. Yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think all of that is good. I I don't I like had the idea of and I probably did start tracking other people's trades for a little bit and actually just trade conversations I would have with guys. And then that fell through because as we've talked about, I'm not the details guy here on the podcast. Um, But there is like something I've internalized like other guys trading habits. And so uh, I do tailor offers and even just like not necessarily in terms of value as much as just positionally. Like I know what people are going, I know what you value. And so I'm not going to, offer you something that you don't, I know that you don't want. Um, I would say as my team has gotten better and like the perception of our team, Scott and I's team has gotten better that my offers have gotten better. Um, my initial offers, because I know nobody wants to feel like they're making my team better. Um, Mm -hmm. so, um, when I'm initiating, I would say like, I'm a lot of times I'm offering my best offer. Like I'm not going to haggle. Like this is the thing. Um, and there are some guys that you have to do that with in our league. And I think we've talked about some of them, but like, um, like Sarlo Calhoun, like you're not going to spend days upon days hashing out trades with them. Uh, you're either going to get a yes or no, or you're going to, if it's Calhoun, you're going to get ghosted. So like, (laughs) you you have to come with the goods but i try to do that with most of 
of the guys. And I, I always try to put myself because as a commissioner and as a team, that's good. I tried to like put myself on the other end of the trade too, just to think like, if I'm watching this trade happen, like, how do I feel about it? Do I feel like me, Dave Hallahan, has taken advantage of this person? Because I want people to keep trading with me. So I don't want them to think that I'm just taking advantage of people. Uh, I think, I've, I don't know how true this is, but I've said to Scott, like when people are thinking about, I want to trade this player or I, I need this position, I think my team is one of the first ones that comes to their mind because I think at this point, everybody knows I'm willing to trade. And I've certainly like won some trades by a lot, um, but I've lost some trades too. And I think I've you, made- You've increased or decreased value. You didn't win or lose trades. Yes, I've increased <laughs> value. But perception is I've won them. And, yeah. um, and so I think, but I've also, I've lost value. And I think people have mm-hmm. seen that. Uh, as well and or that I've made plenty of fair trades that have been toss-ups so I do try and I I try also to obviously I want to make my team better whenever I'm I'm trading whether that's short-term long-term the goals there can uh, change but I want to make my team better but I want to make another team better as well like because what I I don't want them to be as good as mine but like why am I going to – a team that has, like, three top 12 wide receivers, I'm not going to go into a trade for their running back offering them another wide receiver. Like, why, they're not going to want to do that. So I want to look at the team and assess, if I own this team, where would I think my needs would be? And then now that I look at my actual team, can I meet their need? And yeah. I want to do it in a way that gives me value – but I want them to feel good about it afterwards as well. So the tough part is when you look at their team and you say, well, this is clearly where you need some value. And they're like, <laughs> Oh no, I don't, yeah. you know, I'm not interested yeah. in that. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I think Every, this is a what, what's great the, trade for everyone loves the smell of their own farts, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel that way. I feel yeah. that way with uh, trading sometimes. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think like, um, you know, in what you were talking about, I think that your trades, uh, your trade offers have come out very, uh, very much more direct uh, lately. And I mean, you and I had a trade go down in our other league and you offered it up and I responded with, Hmm, let me think on that a minute. And a few minutes later I was like, yeah, let's do it. There was no haggle. There was no back and forth. It was a fair yeah. trade. We just went with it. And, you know, and even though you and I haven't made any trades in this league together, we've had a few offers go back and forth that were, that were, I mean, they were, they were good offers. Um, we weren't far off. It just didn't make sense, right. you know, yep. in, in what it was. And, but I think we're, we're kind of in a weird place in our league right now where, um, you know, we're going to see a shift. You know, we have uh, several clear top teams and several clear bottom teams. And I think um, we're going to start to see uh, the top teams – turn and head in the other direction and the teams that are rebuilding there's a few of them that are on the rise and and we're probably not going to see a ton of trades until those teams on the rise decide all right now we need to buy and those of us that are on the top that are clearly heading in the other direction say all right we need to sell you know um yeah i think i think you're right i think 
because everyone so the divisions this year right everyone's talking about the divisions of de- the division of death um where calhoun drafted um troy you and myself but honestly i think ian's division is another it's all the teams on the rise it's yeah ian who just had like 47 rookie picks um and uh mike whose team is on the rise Brett, who, when his team is healthy, can d- certainly do some damage. Billy, whose team is on the rise. Like, I think Ian's division right now, those four teams, that's the division of death in three years or, yes. or sooner. So, uh, sooner. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was trying to be gracious. I was trying to, like, build up my own confidence here. But, yeah, I think sooner, though, next year, <laughs> that's the division of death. And so yeah. I think that's going to be a, a tough division. It'll be interesting to see in the middle division. We're getting off of trades here. But, in that middle division with uh, Sarlo and Chris and uh, Marino and the team that I'm missing. Sarlo. I said Chris, Sarlo, Chris, Marino, Marino, Calhoun. Calhoun. No, he drafted us in his division. Oh, that's right. Oh, man. Chris, Marino. Head. Head. Oh, that's embarrassing. Sorry, Head. It- now, didn't somebody during the uh, uh, the Champions Lounge uh, say that whenever they're trying to think of everybody in the league, the, the person they always forget is Head? We, I don't remember if Head was an answer. When Scott came on, he asked that question of me on the podcast. Like, who do, who do you always forget? But today it was Head. Um, okay. But it will be interesting to see because I, um, I think that's the weakest division. Um, and I think Sarlo... I'm curious to see if Sarlo is going to try to win. I think he might have gone into this year thinking it was a rebuild year. And now with his division, the playoffs are attainable. Chris was a team that I think was uh, on the fall. But does he now think he has one more chance to to fight and claw for a playoff berth? So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Um, We are a trade-happy league. So uh, you did the hard work here in talking about impact trades for each team so we'll just uh, go through each team and talk about their impact trade, and we'll try to keep it uh, as rapid fire as possible, um, but we'll each share some thoughts on them. So right after I grab my computer charger, why don't you take us through that? So uh, you know the list uh, that I kind of developed were most impactful trades, and what I mean by that is, uh, is these trades sent their teams kind of on – uh, a trajectory. Um, so it was, it was a huge pivot point uh, for their team. And, uh, and you mentioned we are trade happy league. I just looked it up. We have 282 trades in our league history over the course of uh, what was 2014, the first year. Yeah. Um, and this year alone, we've, we've had 21 trades already, which is, which is pretty so exciting. Two, what was it? 284? Uh, 282. 282 over six years. So yeah, yeah, we're um, and you could even argue five because the first half of the first year we didn't get to do any trades because we didn't have our initial draft and right, you know, um, yeah. and we're only halfway through this year. Yeah, but that's like forty trades a year or so. Yeah, something like that. Someone's better than math out there, but yeah. So uh, what are what are some of these team trades that you think um, changed the course of of the team? Yeah, so there's no particular order here, um, uh, but I, I'll start with uh, this one because this one gets thrown back in my face a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Brett, uh, 2016, it was trade number 80. It was his Eddie Lacy trade to me. Um, uh, 
not because of what he got from me, but really what he turned around and used the pieces that I sent him. Mm. Um, those pieces eventually uh, he was able to draft Michael Thomas and then turn around and deal Michael Thomas uh, for what eventually got him Saquon, uh, Boyd, and Dak. You mm. know, so his team was on the decline at that point. And, and this trade, I think, actually turned his team back around to, to be able to continue to compete. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. hate to admit it, but <laughs> it's true. So it's your fault. It's funny because uh, the Graham trade, uh, where Brett traded for Billy Graham from you, Billy Graham, rest in Jimmy peace. Graham. Jimmy Graham um, <laughs> is uh, often credited as Brett building your team. But you, it, so it turns out, you returned the favor with the Eddie Lacy trade. Yeah, and really my, my plan that offseason was to, to grab some guys that were on the cheap and that I thought were going to jump to the next level. And I did with a few of my trades, uh, but definitely not that one. <laughs> and, yeah. you know. yeah. um, the next one I have is uh, Head, uh, and you referenced this one earlier. It was uh, 2015 trade number 56. Uh, the infamous Jamal Charles trade in which I had to add so many lines to the trade uh, tracker because <laughs> he sent four players, two firsts, and um, I mean, it was just a slew of a package for Jamal Charles. And it was like the week before he had that career-ending injury. Yeah. Um, but that was, a, I think that was the first sign for head of his team going in the other direction. Here's, here's the full trade. You ready for this? I'm ready. So he received Jamal Charles, um, and he sent Bishop Sankey, which was nothing. Right. Uh, Julius Thomas, who ended up having a good year that year. He was the tight end, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, for Jacksonville, I want to say. And, or, and spent some time in Denver. I Denver, think. that's right. Yeah. yeah, with Peyton Manning. Yeah. Um, he sent Brashard Perriman, uh, and that was back before he was a thing. Uh, Cam Chancellor, uh, a first-round pick that ended up being second overall, which uh, was used on Laquan Treadwell, but really could have been used on anybody. Right. Uh, a first-round pick that ended up being Dalvin Cook, and then a fourth-round pick. But all that for Jamal, like one game of Jamal Charles. Right. Right. And and honestly, like a, it would. I think we all thought it was an overpay at the time. Um, Jamal Charles then blew up his knee, which sealed the deal. But and you, you can't predict that. But if, and if you look at the players that he gave up, I mean, of consequence, it's Dalvin Cook, and that pick came two years after the trade. Yeah. So if Charles stays healthy, theoretically, Head gets uh, two years of Charles and misses out on drafting Dalvin Cook. Yeah. So but it, I think I think what it was what sent him on the trajectory is when Charles got hurt. Yeah. He he initially he immediately changed his platform and I'm no longer a contender. I'm going to sell. I'm you know I'm just yeah. embracing this. Uh, well, know, this mindset. it was this was the same year of the Bell trade too. Yes. So this is what really and I think rightly so. Uh, gave head the perception of head that he doesn't have a direction 
because he traded Rodgers and Bell. Then he gives up this haul for Jamal Charles, who blows up his knee, and then Head is just in this uh, downward spiral, and he has to call in Frank to come and save the team. And Yeah, exactly. Which leads me to my next one is uh, Chris. <laughs> Um, Chris last year, I, I, I have, it's too early to tell for Chris on any trade that is changing his trajectory, but he was playing a little head last year. Like, it's like, are you a buyer or you a seller? Are you a buyer or you a seller? Because he, he had the one trade, um, where he bought cooks and hunt for picks, but then a few weeks later sold Julio Jones, a top 10 receiver, perennial top 10 receiver, uh, to replenish picks. So it's like, you know, where, where are you going with this? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure where he's at. But um, I do have this note. Uh, in 2017, I'm going to give Chris the credit for trade number 162, uh, which uh, was the trade that brought Zeke to our team when we were co-owners, uh, which ultimately uh, fueled our championship. Um, so, so I'll give Chris that credit because that trade, that trade did not happen without him. He was the he was the uh, catalyst for that. Yeah, and that sealed the deal for you guys. Uh, who you got next after Chris? Uh, I want to say Sarlo. Sarlo's trade was 2016 trade number 95, uh, and I want to call it the trade that never was. Huh, okay. Um, so I don't know if you remember this, but in this trade, um, I, this was a trade that he had to redact later on. Because it was early on in the season. Um, it was preseason, actually. Uh, it was uh, August, August 14th. Yeah. yeah. He traded uh, his, uh, his first-round pick for uh, Mealy's first-round pick. But he also sent Tyler Lockett in the deal. Um, but... The issue here was that, and I think I'm referencing the right trade, that it, it turned out that his pick was going to be really, really bad. Yeah. Um, so uh, my, notes, my notes there are not right, so you can ignore my notes there. Okay. Uh, but um, this was the one where Sarla's team just went in the wrong direction, and he realized, I basically gave Tyler Lockett up to move back in the first round, so he had to convince Mealy to make another trade later he sent him a second round pick to cancel out the condition of this, <sighs> of this trade. Um, so, I see it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and which eventually saved Sarlo because he ended up with the first overall pick that following year. Um, but that was, that was a, that, that trade really, I think sent Sarlo into a tailspin um, that year. Cause he had a couple other moves that um, he went from being a buyer to a seller and, yeah, and, and I think him. yeah, I th- the first two years of the league, uh, and especially actually after that Bell trade that I made with Head, um, Sar and my team underperformed. Um, Sarlo kept referring to my team as a a sheep in wolf's clothing um, mm-hmm. that I looked tough but I wasn't. And then I think karma is a bitch, as they say, and I think that has happened to his team a lot. That he's the preseason all-stars and then it doesn't doesn't come to fruition but uh funny enough it was uh i want to say 14 trades later um sarlo made another trade and this isn't a trade trajectory for him but it was a the trade trajectory for me so it was 2016 trade number 109 it was a monster trade where i ended up pulling in deandre hopkins and des bryant 
for a bunch of firsts and I think like Jameis Winston or something like that. And Dante um, Moncrief, yeah. And yeah. Um, and that was, it, that was what moved me from a really good team to a, an actual contender. Because I had made some good trades earlier in that year. Like I, I picked up Travis Kelsey on the cheap. I picked up DeMarco Murray on the cheap, uh, Delaney Walker on the cheap. Um, and I say cheap as in like their value jumped up that year. They both right. they all had good years. But picking up Hopkins, he was the number one receiver by the end of that season. You know, and if, if my team didn't craft the bed in the first round of the playoffs, uh, you know, I, I could have uh, been in the championship game or, or even competed for the title. Right. Uh, but that – that trade helped the following year when I, when I did win the title for being as good of a player as he has been for so long. Uh, Deandre Hopkins has been on so many, he was on Brett's team, right? Mm -hmm. And then Sarlo's and now yours. Um, yeah. So he's gotten around for being such a good player. Yeah. Um, and I was so mad when Brett traded him to Sarlo. Cause I'm like, if I had known he was for sale, I would have yeah. jumped all over that. Yeah. Uh, so um, who, after yours, who, who you got? Well, uh, after mine, uh, I think your trade, uh, I remember this trade so vividly because I was like, ah, oh, that's it. He's going to win the championship this year. This was, this was the missing piece. So it was in 2016, trade number 103. Uh, you had picked up Jarvis Landry, and it was a good trade on both sides. Um, but Jarvis Landry, I think he got like a, you gave away a first and a second or something. Yeah, I'm looking a at it now. The first, a second, Malcolm Mitchell. Um, and Rashad Jennings. So yeah, I mean, it, it was a good trade uh, yeah. for for both sides, uh, and it was I'm pretty sure it was with Martino. Yep. Um, but that was like that missing piece you needed to get you that much more separation between everybody else. Yeah. And I was like, all right, this is what because all your moves up until this point were all good moves and good moves, but I think this one just set you that much further ahead than everybody else. Yeah, I remember a little bit because that that was early in the year that was september um i remember some of the conversation with scott about that trade and us kind of saying like this is the make or bake trade and i think that was one of landry's best year he was like wide receiver eight or something that year um, mm -hmm. and and that i then kicked mealy out of the league because he wouldn't trade me stefan dig so after <laughs> I, after i won the championship i traded landry and jay ajayi for Stefan Diggs and someone else for, to Troy. But, yeah. Uh, well, and I ended up getting Landry later. Yeah, because he, he's uh, on your team Troy. now, right? Yeah. yeah. And Landry is one of those, like, he is a fly-under-the-radar player. Like, he's a, a wide receiver, uh, top, a top 24 wide receiver every year. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, so he puts production out there, which is great, and he's still young, like 24 or 25 yeah. years old. You know? um, um, so after, after me – yeah, I, I, I want to say uh, I, one of the newcomers to the group, Billy. Um, uh, now, I want to say a couple things before I point out this trade. Um, uh, Billy's team, you know, we, we joke that uh, Brett built my team. I am building Billy's team. <laughs> I can't tell you how many assets I have sent to this guy uh, for players. And so his team is going to be nasty in, in a year or two because of the amount of things I've had to send to him uh, for, for players. But uh, his, uh, his greatest trade, I think, was uh, 2017 uh, number, trade number 192, the Alshon trade, where uh, I basically sent him uh, Kenyon Drake uh, two firsts and a third for Alshon. Now, 
it was win now for me. Alshon helped me win the championship. It was the piece I needed, but I gave up a lot for a guy that this was the, the last couple games of his production. Yeah. And, and those first round picks, uh, one of them, uh, he used the next, that off season to draft Nick Chubb, uh, which was, you know, uh, he then turned that into two more firsts and two more seconds from me. So basically oh. I paid three firsts, two seconds and Kenyon Drake, uh, for Alshon Jeffrey. And yeah. <laughs> and Drake is a nothing when you send him. And now the, at least this year and last year, uh, Drake's going to be a big part of Billy's team, I think. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was one of those uh, – Drake was the guy that I'm like, all right, he's probably going to be the guy I'm going to cut off my roster. Not sure if Miami's going to use him kind of thing. Uh, but there's chance. So, you know, I, I told Billy, like, look, you know, there's chance. I'll throw him in. And he's like, yeah, I'll take him, you know. Um, yeah. So, uh, after Billy, we'll go to the, the – I think the newest of newcomers uh, would be uh, uh, Ian and New Mike. Um, uh, they, they didn't have a lot of trades to, to look at, but I think this one, uh, cemented their, they're definitely, uh, in super rebuild mode because our team was already, uh, pretty bad it was uh, 2018 trade number 223 when they traded you Juju. Um, so they made two big trades, which I thought were both needed trades and good trades. So they sent you Juju and then, uh, not too long after that, they sent Dalvin cook to, to Troy. Uh, but it, it fueled them with picks for the next yeah. few years to really build up. And we'll talk more about that later. Uh, um, yeah. So, so them, uh, I'll jump to Troy next. Troy, uh, it, we already mentioned this trade trade number one sixty two uh, was the Zeke trade. Um, it, we were all shocked to see Troy trade away the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys starting running back, but that pick um, uh, or that, that piece that he traded um, ultimately led him to CMC, which we can all agree was, you know, if you had to pick between two right now, right. You know, give me CMC and a whole bunch of other pieces. Uh, you know, he, the picks that he got from Zeke led to uh, pick it, those picks led to Nick Chubb, Calvin Ridley, Sony, Michelle, um, uh, DJ Chark. And, and, and I sent him Tevin Coleman. So that was uh, you know, that was a big package. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next would be uh, Abom. So he started off the first couple of years as uh, a, a top threat. I think he was in the championship game twice and then third place uh, the other year, or third place game the other year. Uh, 2017, trade number 119, Antonio Brown. When he sold that, that was a clear sign that he was, uh, he was in rebuild. Yeah. Now he got three firsts for it, and the, you know, he is, two of those picks led to – Sony Michelle and Alvin Kamara, not by him, but you know, those, those physical picks. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to uh, blow through the last two pretty quickly. Uh, Marino, I could not find a trade that <laughs> uh, sent him in a trajectory in either way. Um, I did notice though, that there was uh, a couple of trends with Marino. One, he needs to stop trading with you because every time he does it backfires on him. Um, and it seems like a lot of his trades, he gets players right before they fall off of a cliff or so, retire. Yeah. Or retire. So anytime he makes a trade for a guy, if I have him in another league, I'm moving that guy. Right <laughs> um, and then there's Calhoun. Uh, and I wasn't sure if he made any trades in the last three years. So I had to go all the way back to 2015, uh, trade number 72, where, um, he bought Lamar Miller for two first and, uh, and the ghost of Chris, Kristen Michael. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, he still has Lamar Miller, uh, I think, on his roster, doesn't he? I, he does actually. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But that was that was where his team began to decline uh, yes. right after that, and and his trading began to decline. Yes. Uh, well, you get bit once, you know. Um, yeah. So we are uh, be curious to hear from our league mates uh, what they think some of their most impactful trades were. But I think that was a pretty pretty solid list that that you came up with there. Uh, we just went through the rookie draft, the 2020 rookie draft, which. Um, I hope we never have to do through Zoom again. Um, but uh, as we went through it, neither you or I had a first-round pick. Um, I had a second-round pick. I actually traded out of the second round. You ended up making a second-round pick. But as, as you watched kind of the first, um, first round and even the, the, that next tier into the second round go by, uh, how did that go compared to your board? Well, uh, I thought – so I, I had my guys in tiers. Um, okay. So my first tier were uh, Taylor, uh, Edwards, Hilaire, and Dobbins. I thought that was the clear first tier of players. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of shocked when Jerry Judy went three. Um, now, I, no knock against Judy. You know, I think he is arguably – one of the two best wide receivers in, in the draft this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I will not, um, I won't argue against somebody that wants to say he's better than lamb or vice versa. Um, yeah. But I think the top tier were those three running backs. Um, so Judy going probably a pick or two early. Other than that, I thought everything was pretty chalk after that. You yeah. know? So my next tier of guys were uh, Swift, Judy, lamb, um, and then Acres is kind of like the back end of that tier, maybe, you know, beginning of the next tier. Um, so maybe the next tier is, uh, it was Acres, Ruggs, uh, Jefferson, and Rager. And then, um, and then the tier four was, is a huge tier. Higgins, right, right. Pittman, uh, was Ayuk, Mims, yeah. Vaughn, uh, Chenault, uh, Zach Moss. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so Judy was the only one that kind of fell out of place. Even in the order uh, of how they all went, if he had gone two picks later, I would have been like, "Hey, I'm okay with the the total order here." But yeah. for the most part, it was pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I feel pretty similarly, and my my ranks weren't weren't that different. Um, I actually had all uh, five of those running backs as my top five players. Um, I did think that after Dobbins, like you, that there's a bit of a drop off to Swift and Acres, but I actually would have been happy to take either of those two over <laughs> any of the wide receivers. Um, just because I think after, well, for reasons I've already explained on why I value running backs more, but also because I think after those five running backs, there's a huge drop off at the running back position. There um, is. So uh, actually I have, so I only ranked 20, I ranked 20 players uh, specifically and then just had like a list of names. Um, just so I could get through my first round pick or my first pick, which was in the second round. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so I had those five running backs and then I have from, uh, then I have 10 wide receivers before my next running back. Um, so just goes to show there was a huge drop off after those five running and, backs. And the next two running backs after that are not exciting. Right. Right. So they're like their their ceiling seems to be lower and their floor seems to be a lot lower. Yeah. 
And um, really, after I think Vaughn being the sixth running back, um, I, we agree there, right? Uh, yeah. And then I w- I'll listen to arguments over the next running backs, like between Zach Moss, uh, AJ Dillon, Anthony McFarland. Like, uh, if someone values one over the other, I don't think you're wrong. Um, no. But I agree that so the Judy going a little bit early. I thought we could see. Um, four or more running backs go uh, right in a row, but Jerry yeah. Judy uh, got thrown and in. And I'm not knocking the Jerry Judy no, no. Uh, because I think he's a great player. And, and so if you believe in him and, and, and especially for Calhoun's team, like uh, having a wide receiver right now for the long term might make more sense for him to, uh, if he thinks he's the best player on the board. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The only other like pick that kind I wouldn't even say surprise me because, like you said, that that kind of, there's like a, that middle tier that's just like so deep. But I know that I was lower on T. Higgins than a lot of people, um, so I would not have taken T. Higgins uh, at eleven like Head did. Um, but I don't. I Who would know. you have gone there instead? Uh, so based on so say the draft goes exactly as it went, um, I would have gone. Oh, this is a little hot takey. Uh, I actually would probably would have gone Lavishka Chanel, uh, which you know I liked him, um, mm-hmm. but I was high on him. I had him ranked – actually, I had him ranked at 11 uh, or 10 overall. Uh, so probably higher than a lot of people. But I had, I had him higher than Mims, and, and Justin Jefferson are probably the like surprising – Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins. Um, so. Wait, you had him ahead of Jefferson? Then who, who did you have at 9 or 10? Or 8, 9, and 10? Uh, so Lamb, Judy, Rieger, Ruggs, Chenault. Jefferson, Mims, Ayuk. So you had, you had Chenault at 10 then? Yes, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I said 11 initially. Yeah. Now, I like Chenault too, but I don't like him at 10. Yeah. I like him more at the, you know... 12, you know, 112, 2-1. So we, we didn't talk about uh, this uh, thought process actually came to my mind when we were talking about trades, but we didn't get into it. Uh, I, uh, having a co-owner, like as you're making trades, you have to convince the person you're trading with, but you also have to get your co-owner on board. And drafting with a co-owner is kind of the same thing. So I think, uh, so our first pick was uh, the 204. And so... I think Chenault, if I was being honest with my rankings, might have been down a little bit lower. But I knew that I can convince Scott that we should make a move to try and get him, which we didn't end up doing, if he was still available later, which I knew he would be because he's my 10th rank. So there might have been some uh, inner ownership gamesmanship going on with that mm. rank. But uh, who, who came out of the draft looking the most improved? Well, I, so I, I came up with a top three. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, the most improved, you, you got to give it to Ian. Um, and most of that is because, you know, when you have four first-round picks, um, yeah, you should it. be improved. But uh, arguably uh, walking out with uh, the best running back and best wide receiver. And again, I'll say arguably because I know people can make a case for uh, Edward Tolaire. Um, over Taylor, I will not make that case. 
Um, <laughs> and I know people will make a case of Judy over Lamb, and uh, um, I, I I won't. I won't make a case either way there. I think they're, they could be a coin flip. But So you walk away with uh, one of the best at each of those positions, and you walk away with two more uh, uh, wide receivers that I have in my third tier there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, that's a great situation. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, I think he's going to be a bust. But if he hits at 2-2, that's, you know, that, that, yeah. that's great as well. Um, so with uh, Taylor, Lamb, Jefferson, Rager, and Vaughn in the first 14 picks, you know, I got to give it to him. Um, I mean, how do you feel about uh, Ian? Uh, yeah, I think. Anybody above him? Um, no, I don't think I would have anyone above him just because, like you said, I think having those four first-round picks just uh, – I think Taylor – any of these players can, can be misses. But I think uh, Taylor uh, is a solid – he's probably the best runner of the running backs uh, and then is behind mm-hmm. uh, a great offensive line. So I think. Um, he, he's pretty uh, – a sure bet as you can get. And then just to, just to draft three wide receivers in the first round. I mean, yeah. you're, obviously you're, uh, you're ensuring yourself against some misses. Um, so I think of those four picks, he could have four impact players. And so that's a big deal. Um, I think Mike uh, Alpbaum, he, he gets three what I think could be three impact players between – Halea Ruggs and Ayuk, um, and then uh, I forget exactly what the trade was, but traded one of those first round picks to head, so added some assets there. So uh, I think yeah, you got a first round pick next year, I think. Yeah, so he kind of yeah. uh, gets to get some impact players this year, and now is looking at four first round picks, or I guess three, yeah, three first round picks next year. So yeah, uh, so he's sitting in a in a good spot. Who else yeah. did you have? I, I, um, I thought uh, heads uh, draft selections uh, are really going to benefit his team. You know, at, he's sitting at pick four, and he ends up getting what I believe is one of the top three uh, players uh, fall to him there in J.K. Dobbins. I think mm-hmm. Dobbins is going to uh, be an instant uh, uh, impact player. Um, you know, he walks away with a couple uh, late first round wide receivers and T Higgins and Michael Pittman. But again, like you had said, you know, a, a wide receivers are hit or miss. So if one of them is a hit, that's a win. You right. Know? Yep. Um, uh, Zach Moss uh, potentially could get, do something in Buffalo. He walks away with the best defensive player in Chase Young, picks up a, a young quarterback in Justin Herbert. Um, so I, I thought he did yeah. a good job. Even that and, KJ Hamler pick. Uh, at the end of the third round, I thought that was a value to get yeah. in there. Um, and, and Kenneth Murray. Kenneth Murray, yep. So, uh, and if he can convince enough people to go to Superflex, he got he has Jalen Hurts. So. Yeah, uh, or just the three games that Jalen Hurts is going to start because Wentz is hurt. <laughs> right. you know? uh, did you think anybody else came out drastically improved? Uh, yeah, I thought there was one more, um, and I thought it was Marino because Marino walked away with uh, two of the – uh, top five running backs. Now, yeah. I'm not as high on acres as you are, um, but I love Swift. Mm. Uh, I know a, a, a couple of guys had him as their favorite back uh, pre-NFL draft. Yes, he was my, my 1.1 pre-NFL draft. And uh, his landing spot dropped him down. Um, and, you know, I think that hurt his uh, fantasy stock a little bit. But I think, you know, Cream rises to the top. I think he's going he's gonna to do well there. And, and hopefully Marino's listening to this and wants to, to trade him to me. Um, but, up that you know, 
that value there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, Swift and Acres, and then again, you'd mentioned uh, Chenault uh, from the two four. I thought were all um, uh, great selections by him, and and I think that uh, he should see some instant value from the two running backs uh, yeah. this year, which which is a need for him. Yeah, I I was just say looking at Calhoun's draft here. I think clearly he's committed to the rebuild when he drafts the division of death, and to go wide receiver heavy in a in a good wide receiver class, or at least like top ever, he went Judy and Mims. Um, I think wide receiver is the long play uh, in Dynasty. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and he does add Anthony McFarlane, who uh, may or may not, depending on James Conner's health, have some uh, play this year, but uh, has, if they decide to move on from Conner, has some value. So I think for the approach, especially for the approach that he's taken, I think those picks uh, made some sense for him. So. Yeah, and if Anthony McFarlane could do anything, you know, he could possibly flip him midseason for some more picks to, yeah, you know, in future draft. Yep. Well, never mind. It's Calhoun. It's Calhoun. That's not going to happen. Uh, so uh, l- we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, when Scott was uh, on, he had some gripes uh, while listening to, to some podcasts. He w- uh, he wanted to set the record straight on a couple. Uh, so what are some misconceptions that uh, our league mates have been spreading about the pigeon that you would like to, uh, you'd like to make right? Yeah. I, you know, I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity for this, uh, this short gripe uh, session. Um, but um, I know uh, in, there were a couple things said in some of the podcasts and um, uh, you know, as different people, I'm not pointing anybody out uh, because these are things that, you know, I've heard from, uh, some of these have been from multiple people, but uh, one of the thing uh, I, I think uh, I think Mike said this in his podcast, and he said it half jokingly, and, and it could have been full jokingly, but I wanted to be very clear about this. He had said that um, it seemed like any time uh, that he wanted to make a trade with Martino, um, it was like Martino ran to me and and was like made a trade with me instead, which is so not the case, you know. Um, I have never intervened on a trade. Um, and if and I, that would have happened, he would have come to me. Because yeah, exactly. I knew Martino. You know, I'm <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I knew him from the baseball league, but barely, you know. Right. Um, you know, I, he's a nice guy. I drove in a car one time with you and him uh, to Philly, I think, uh, for a draft or something. Oh, yeah. Um, we went to Scott's or Calhoun's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've never intervened with a trade. I have, I have been involved in discussions with guys in our league that have said, Hey, uh, I need some advice. And I'll say, you know, and I, and I, I'll jump in and give them advice. And, but I will not like, even if I'm like, Ooh, I want that player from you. I won't even say that out loud to them. I'll, you know, but I'll be like, Hey, you know, this is my thoughts. I think it's a good deal for you. And this is why, or I think it's a bad deal. And, uh, Troy's taking advantage of you, you know, um, <laughs> But uh, uh, yeah, so so I've never never intervened uh, with a trade, and um, uh, so and I've never been in a conversation with somebody else where they have intervened, and I've been talking about a trade that I'm engaged in with somebody, some conversations, and nobody's ever intervened with me. So setting that straight. Uh, the second uh, thing I want to uh, set the record straight is is uh, the pigeon route. Uh, this was this was referenced uh, at least I want to say three times in previous uh, podcasts, um, and and I had to, I, I made a note of it, and I had to ask you before we started. I'm like, do you remember what this was? And you know, so it's it's the whole idea of um, 
Uh, I don't trash talk before my games, and then once the game is over, I just let it all out. Um, to set the record straight, the reason I don't trash talk before my games is because anytime I ever do, it always comes to bite me in the butt. And, and so I have this uncanny, uncanny ability to jinx myself, so I just keep my mouth shut. So by setting the record straight on this one, what you're saying is everyone's right. This is exactly what happens. Uh, yes, it, it, <laughs> it, except the perception is uh, I only wait till I win because I, I'm winning and now I'm bragging. It's like, no, 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 I'm not jinxing myself. So that's the, that's the real reason why I keep my mouth shut. You know, I could be poo it all day, but I, I would just end up 0-13, you know, um, which is why we lost the championship in year two. And then the last thing I, I want to set the record straight, uh, because this has been said for three or four years now, is that I only make a trade if I win. Um, I've already said that trades are not about winning and losing. It's all about increasing value or making a trade that makes sense for your team. So if the trade makes sense for my team, I make it. You know, um, I have made a lot of trades that uh, people can look back on and say, quote unquote, you lost that trade. You know, there, there are trades where I clearly lost value. And I think we um, talked about a couple of them tonight, even with the uh, the Eddie Lacy trade going back a few years, the Zeke yep. trade, which got you over the hump, but long term was that the best move? Yeah. Um, the, the Alshon Ertz, trade, Alshon trade, the Ertz trade. We didn't talk about tonight, but yeah. I wonder if you would do that again. Um, the Shady so. McCoy trade, which was not mentioned tonight, where I uh, I dealt the one point eight uh, in that rookie draft class for Shady McCoy because I needed a second running back. And Billy convinced me, I'll give Billy all the credit in the world, I wanted to give him the 10th pick, but he convinced me to do the 8th pick, and I did. My plan was to draft uh, some guy named Alvin Kamara with that pick. Um, So, boy, do I wish I could have that trade back. Yeah. Uh, You do lose some trades, it's true. Uh, All right, well, uh, co-commissioner, thank you for coming on tonight. Uh, It was good, and I'm sure that uh, you setting the record straight will make everyone be nice to you going forward. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, for letting me come on. Uh, this was uh, quite a, a, a fun time. And, uh, you know, we got some great weather here in Russia uh, to, <laughs> to have this conversation. A little chilly, but uh, time for some vodka. And then we'll, we'll head out. All right. Peace.